This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. torch of freedom onward because our mission is very simple we are keeping the state of florida free thank you all god bless you all right people we are live on rumble youtube and blaze tv and yeah little heavy-handed i'm pulling the heartstrings on this friday before these midterm elections in three days on Tuesday when, uh, yeah, it does look like this red wave is gonna happen, but you never know. So please people get out there and vote. I will actually be voting in person on Tuesday. Maybe we'll live stream. They don't let you get right up. You can't do it from the booth, but maybe a little bit outside. We'll see some freedom lovers in Florida and, uh, and we will vote and then we will live happily ever after. It is Friday, so we got another round table extravaganza for you and joining me today, is the host of the You're Welcome podcast, Michael Malice, a lawyer at the Dillon Law Group, Ron Coleman, and host of Viva Barnes Law on Locals.com, Viva Frey. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you, David. TGIF. Professional people with me today, finally. Uh, all right, guys, the theme today is obviously we're gonna have to talk about the election, but really the thing that's kinda uh, coming with this red wave is that the, the censorship situation related to big tech does seem to be crumbling at least a little bit, although I have no doubt that Facebook and Google and everybody else have more tricks up their sleeves, but Elon did buy Twitter, and now all hell seems to be breaking loose around that, and then we're gonna get into some of the numbers leading into the midterms. Uh, before we get to it real quick, uh, because the election is just days away uh, and the stakes have never been higher, I think it's time to get this blaze midterm little pam pam pamphlet that they've got for you. Several races across the country have gotten very interesting over the past couple of weeks. Will Republicans be able to win a Senate seat in Washington state of all places? Is Kathy Hochul really in trouble in New York? Yeah, I think so. Will voters punish Gretchen Whitmer for her COVID lockdown insanity and finally give her the boot? There's a ton to cover this election cycle and the blaze has you covered. Go over to theblaze.com slash election guide and receive a free copy of Blaze Media's ultimate guide to the midterms delivered right to your inbox. That's theblaze.com slash election guide and they'll send you everything you need to know to be ready for big election night. And now back to me. Okay, so let's do the, the tech portion of this first uh, big thing, of course, in the last week is that Elon Musk is now the CEO of Twitter. He felt that going to Mars wasn't enough and uh, he walked in to Twitter offices with a sink. Let that sink in people, you get it? Uh, Benny Johnson on Twitter, friend of the show, uh, he was one of the first people to break that Elon Musk had fired Vijaya Gade, the head of legal policy, trust and safety, who made the decision to permanently suspend Donald Trump. And you guys remember her. She, of course, was the one who went on Joe Rogan's podcast with Tim Pool and pretty much dropped the ball. We should have seen all of this coming. 
So let's start with that. Viva, I uh, take it, well, first off, you're a new Floridian, everyone knows that. You fled Canada, you're here in free Florida, uh, but you pay attention to a lot of the tech stuff. I mean, this, this Elon thing, this is all good for people that like free speech and freedom, right? Well, okay, it, it, it's, a, it's a risk. First of all, that, the joke, let that sink in, makes no sense if you don't understand he's bringing a sink in. I thought it was a computer and it took me forever to get the joke. It's an it, actual it sink, it's porcelain, an actual the whole thing. Sink. It looks good. He's certainly been walking the walk to some extent. I still have my own concerns because Elon is involved in businesses that rely on government authorization, government uh, approvals to some extent. He's not corruption-free. He's not blackmail-free. It's conceivable he might succumb to the pressure of don't do certain things um, on Twitter, or we might frustrate some of your other businesses which are heavily reliant on government authorization. But so far, so good. And anything that makes AOC unhappy uh, might be a good thing to a great many people. All right, perfect segue. So let's get to the AOC stuff and then Malice, I want you to comment on that. So AOC, she's not happy that a billionaire is gonna own Twitter. She seems to have no problem with the billionaire who owns the Washington Post, uh, but that's a separate aside. Uh, here's a tweet from AOC. LMAO at a billionaire earnestly trying to sell people on the idea that free speech is actually an eight month subscription plan to which Elon Musk replied, your feedback is appreciated, now pay $8. And then in perfect troll form, he posted this from AOC's website. Yeah, she sells a sweatshirt on her website for uh, $58. Just on the factual side of this thing, uh, Elon is not gonna charge everyone $8. He is potentially going to charge people $8 to be verified so that you would know that you're talking to the real person. Uh, Malice, you must love the troll portion of this, right? That Elon is not just that he bought the thing and that maybe free speech will be defended a bit more, uh, but the troll part is kind of, this is malice territory. Can we put her sweatshirt up again? Did you guys notice she's we, got those upside down exclamation points yeah. <laughs> around Ocasio? Because, you know, if you're writing in Spanish, you're gonna have an upside down exclamation point in the middle of someone's name. That's just logic. Um, I absolutely love it and I absolutely love that uh, not only is Elon taking the fight to these horrible people, another good example, Dave, was earlier in the week when Stephen King, America's favorite aging lesbian, uh, was stamping <laughs> her feet about how I'm not gonna pay $20 a month to be verified the guy's worth nine figures. And Elon Musk is like, hey, how about $8? And he had no reply. Because for years, Twitter has been a safe space for members of the enemy class. They can spew their nonsense uh, and know that they would have no repercussions. The best example of this, of course, was in COVID, uh, when they can spread complete lies, such as the fact that we need social distancing, such as the fact that if you have va the vaccine, you are not going to spread it to other people. And no, if anyone who challenged them on this lost their entire accounts, let alone the ability to just tweet one or two things about it. So I I don't like the term free speech because it gives the impression that everyone has something to say, which I don't believe in. But I do <laughs> like the idea that people who have for literally over a century uh, been in a position to monologue or have all the flow of information go in one direction are now in a, a, a space where they're going to have to respond to people. And I've been ratioing them left or right, left and right. Keep in mind, like when you had the powers that be being uh, on their side, they were taking L after L after L mm -hmm. on Twitter. Now it's going to be complete carnage and I for one could not be happier. And for the portion of my audience that is not on Twitter and I often say, God bless you and, and don't get on there. I mean, the, the change in Twitter just in these few days, while clearly they haven't fixed all of it yet. I mean, I'm gaining followers again. I was purging thousands sometimes a day before that for the last couple of months and the engagement's rising again. I mean, obviously they have to go through and find all the gremlins in the system and all that stuff. But I know we can say a ton of great things about Elon. So I wanna actually focus on part of what Viva said there for a second. Uh, Ron, what do you think about just the fact that he has all these other business concerns and now he's getting involved in this thing. It's like, I know it's hard to run one company. Now the guy's trying to go to Mars and build underground tunnels in Los Angeles and run Twitter and Starlink and a whole bunch more. It's a lot, right? Oh, it's a lot, but you know, uh, Elon Musk is a, it's quite a lot of man, uh, you know, and, and you know, when we talk about running things, it's like when people talk about running the country, the president doesn't run the country, the president doesn't even run the government. In fact, under Trump, the president didn't even run the White House. Uh, he's not gonna, he's, he's gonna do what he wants to do. Right now, his, his attention is, is definitely on Twitter. But I think, I mean, the point that, that Viva made about his 
susceptibility to government um, pressure, in a way it's actually ideal because everyone in, in, in certainly in, in this high state power regime that we're in right now, everyone is susceptible to government power. Mm -hmm. So the more powerful and influential and popular a person is, uh, the better chance he has of resisting that government power. And, and, and plus, what, are we, what, what alternatives are we positing? It's the government power versus what there is right now, which it turns out was actually an entirely Democratic Party op being run under the cover of a private company. Yeah. Viva, are you surprised how many people sort of openly are upset with Elon? Like the guys literally just come in and say, hey, I'm gonna defend free speech as much as possible. I'm not going to put my hand on the scale. You would think that most people would be for that, yet he's got AOCs, panties in a tizzy and, and everything else. I am not, not, I'm not surprised. It is the people who have the worst ideas that are the most fearful of open discussion. And also it's the, it's the people who've been out there uh, you know, promoting the, the biggest conspiracy theories that don't want other people having the right to either promote their own theories or to rebut their theories. You got uh, Hillary Rodham Clinton right after the attack on Pelosi's husband coming out and saying this is right-wing extremism and Elon comes out and in a needle says, oh, you know, there are other theories that people can posit based on incomplete information. Mm -hmm. uh, the people complaining about conspiracy theories are the ones who have historically been promoting them the most. And then you get AOC thinking she got under the billionaire's skin and someone went in, tweaked the algorithm to go after her personal DMs. It's about time bad ideas see the light of day. And obviously none of them want that to happen. And they're threatening to leave. Some of them are actually leaving. It couldn't have happened sooner. And my goodness, it's fun to watch. Malice, I'll do a little devil's advocate here. What happens if because of Elon Musk, the trolls take over? You know the trolls, you work with the trolls. You're in the underbelly of the internet. What happens if they get too much power? I'm gonna take your house, Ruben, and, <laughs> and your little dog too. Um, no, uh, it, the term troll has a couple of meanings. I can say this as a professional troll. Uh, it's used to describe people who are genuinely malevolent who go on Twitter or any other social media site and their entire uh, output is just to be derisive and derogatory and, and disrespectful and, and things like that. And that does dampen conversation. If you go to a restaurant and everyone starts berating you and screaming at you, you're probably not going to go to the restaurant again. So that's something mm -hmm. who runs uh, anyone who runs a social media site is going to have to be concerned about. But what they're defining as trolling is when someone who's some kind of corporate journalist or some you know demonic academic is spewing their nonsense and they're just responded to yes. by yes. a multitude of people saying, you're wrong, you're full of crap, you know you're being dishonest. And now, because in their offices, no one talks to them like this. In their daily lives, no one talks to them like this. It's, you know, yes, Mr. Jones, or yes, Ms. Smith. Now they're being called out as, you know, uh, you know agents of the regime now they're regarding it as undeserved and trolling, and this is causing them a problem. But I disagree a little bit with, with Viva. No one's going anywhere. Remember when, when Neil Young said he was leaving Spotify, <laughs> and then who was it? Some Joni Mitchell joined on, and they were trying to make it like, oh, because of Rogan, everyone's leaving Spotify. Nothing, no one happened, nothing happened, no one cared. Uh, the best example of this is Jamila Jamil, who in April was like, oh my God, I have I can't handle it here anymore. Oh, I'm leaving Twitter. And if you look at her tweet, tweet right now, she's right back. She's up for some People's Choice Award for She-Hulk. So these people don't know what borough to scurry to. So they're going to go where the conversation is. And, and uh, uh, for better or for worse right now, that, that's Twitter. I've been following a few of them who have been saying they're going to leave. At least one of them has, in fact, seemingly left. The account was no longer active. I don't know who the people who? are. Who just, left? I'll, I'll, I'll send it afterwards. I no can't longer the active name. and left are two... I'm no, I'm, no, I'm no longer active every Friday night to Saturday night, okay? No, no, but this was like you couldn't find the account. I'll, I'll, I'll tweet it out. It was one person who seemed to have made good on her promise. I had no but idea again, who she was before. you don't know that name of, it's not like it's a big name. Right. True. I, I heard a rumor work. that he, actor Tia Leone was, was going to leave. It's like, how can yeah, we all be was. on Twitter without Tia Leone? <laughs> right. I, I like Deep Impact. It's Decent Taya. movie, but come on. You, you don't even know, that's the thing. Her name's Taya. Oh, Taya, well, great actress. Love her, oh, love her. Absol thanks, absolutely thanks love her. Ron, go ahead. No, just do we want to make sure we have all the names pronounced right? Okay. No, even if even if two hundred of them, even if, if if every attendee of the Oscars left, would that in any way degrade the experience of of of, of the vast majority of Americans? 
I don't think well, so. What's, I mean, also, except- what's also interesting about this is, you know, these are the same people that for years were telling us to build, you know, build our own internet, build our own social media companies. Well, some people did, right? I built locals. Uh, Rumble was built, Parler, although it was taken out now. It, now Kanye's got it. I mean, conservatives or whatever did build a couple things. I suspect that the people who are all about equity uh, really won't have the wherewithal to, to build much of anything. Well, they, don't wanna, they don't want to, go for it. My concern isn't that these people leave Twitter. My hope is that they leave the earth. And with Elon in charge and his rockets, we can get that achieved in our lifetime. It that would have been the move. That would have been the move that he gets them off Twitter and then just offers them a rocket ship <laughs> into, if, into if, oblivion. If Viva people finish like us Stephen King, if Stephen King, Rob Reich, Rob Reiner, if a bunch of these people left Twitter, yeah, I'd, I would be missing people to, to criticize and show how absurdly idiotic they are. Um, so true, the, the, the biggest thorns or the loudest mouths are still gonna stay there because they need the engagement, they need the affirmation and they need the conflict. Uh, and that, me too as well. I'm, only, I'm on Twitter to know what the opposing ideas are saying because it's no good being in an echo chamber. So let's just hope that Twitter doesn't turn into a conservative echo chamber, but I doubt that will ever happen. No chance. I'm basically only on Twitter to see who you're fighting with, Viva. That's pretty much what. <laughs> that's pretty much the only reason I'm there at this point. Uh, but let's let's move to the serious part of this because it basically was exposed this week that the government has been working with big tech to censor us. We all kind of knew it. They had been hinting it for quite some time, uh, but now it's it's basically out in the open. We'll get to that in one second. I want to talk to you about Kamikoto knives. Uh, you know, it's time to up your kitchen knife game, people. Uh, using traditional techniques, you know it, Ron. Uh, Kamikoto crafts beautiful knives using steel sourced from Japan. Each blade is made with techniques that have been honed and perfected by generations of knife smiths. They come in a beautiful heavy duty ash wood box and every blade is individually inspected and comes with a lifetime guarantee. Because of their single bevel edge, Kamikoto knives can achieve a wickedly sharp edge, the kind you just can't get with other knives. These are cut through your ribeye like butter sharp. Kamikoto knives are used by several chefs working with Michelin star restaurants around the world. They make amazing gifts gifts that come in beautiful boxes. You can maintain each knife's edge with one of Kamikoto's sharpening whetstones. And like I said, they're so confident in their product that each and every knife comes with a lifetime guarantee. If you go ahead and buy now, Kamikoto is offering offering you an extra $50 off site-wide. Uh, go to kamikoto.com slash Ruben and use the offer code Ruben for an extra $50 off. K-A-M-I-K-O-T-O dot com slash Ruben. Kamikoto.com slash Ruben. And now back to me. Okay, so the big story really was that the government has been infringing on our free speech. Surprise, surprise. We've got some info from the Daily Wire. Hundreds of internal documents exposed top U.S. government agencies working closely with social media companies like Facebook and Twitter to censor American freedom of speech under the guise of fighting disinformation over over several years as obtained and reported by The Intercept. One of the cozy relationships highlighted in the report shows a text from earlier this year between former DHS official and current Microsoft executive Matt Masterson and Jen Easterly a DHS director saying, quote, the government needs to get the private sector, needs to get more comfortable with government, according to Fang. This is Lee Fang, who's a uh, journalist at The Intercept. According to the report, Fang emphasizes key takeaways showing that DHS plans to target inaccurate information on topics mm-hmm. such as the origins of the COVID-19 pandemic and the efficacy of COVID-19 vaccines, mm-hmm. racial justice, U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan and the nature of U.S. support to Ukraine. So let me start with you, Ron, here, because when I saw this whole thing a couple days ago, well, first off, it did not surprise me. As everyone watching this knows, back in July of 2021, I tweeted out that vaccines weren't working, that they were prepping us for booster shots, that mandates were coming. I was banned from Twitter. Uh, So I am not surprised that it had something to do with perhaps the government. What I called you about was, well, what is the recourse? If, if this all bears out to be true, which th- th- it seems like it is and the media is ignoring it, so you know it's kind of true. Um, what is your recourse? Any of us talking right now or anyone watching this that puts information out there publicly and then the government comes and forces a private company to censor that information. What well, do we do know, about this? You know, Dave, last time you and I spoke on the air was when 
we were in the company of Rogan O'Handley, DC Drano, yep. who called out this precise, precise thing with receipts at the state level. At the state level, and next month, in December, we have our Ninth Circuit argument uh, in an, uh, an attempt to uh, reverse the district court ruling that threw the case out on the basis of something happening to do with the alignment of the planets. And it, I mean, just, it, it makes no sense. But what what people are going to be doing and what is gonna be a lot like what we did. So, I mean, on the private level, they're going, let's take a step back. This is government action on that is being outsourced to private, right. to private companies. When a private company does the dirty work that the government itself cannot do under the Constitution, that private entity becomes the government under the law. That's called state action. Mm -hmm. What has been described by that Intercept article is state action. That means not only can you sue the government, which who cares? The government couldn't care less. There's no accountability. The money's not theirs. They, they, keep, they do whatever they want. But if suing, suing the state arms that we know as Twitter and Facebook, that's going to make a big difference. That is an absolute game changer. And bravo to The Intercept, which, remember, is the outlet that kicked out Glenn Greenwald for being too much of a journalist right. and going too far against the left-wing narrative, they nonetheless went ahead and published this article. That's amazing to me. Right, so it's fascinating to me because it's like, okay, can we sue the government? What are we suing the government for? It's our own money, but they've, they've outsourced the tyranny in essence. Viva, you're also a, a lawyer. You come from Canada where you guys do not have First Amendment protections, but uh, this has got to be pretty annoying for uh, a well, Canadian I'll as well. Look, I'm a Canadian lawyer, a Quebec attorney more specifically, so I'm not a lawyer in the States, but I've learned a little bit in the last few years, especially with my, you know, with Robert Barnes as a mentor. Uh, and the argument is going to be, are they acting as state actors? You know, every, the, the defense has always been private companies, Section 230 immunity. If you don't like it, it's a private company. Uh, the argument, the flip side to that was, well, if they're doing what the government is telling them to do, they become state actors. The flip side argument to that is, and it's going to be the government's position, we didn't coerce them. We didn't tell them what mm -hmm. to do. This was just recommendations. They did it on their own. So it's still private actors, still Section 230 immunity. It's all a load of garbage. I mean, we've known it for a while now. We've known about the back channels since Saki accidentally yep. you know, mentioned it. Um, it's, it's egregious. It takes a judge with a little bit of uh, judicial honesty, judicial integrity to say, when the government nudges you, that's effectively a, a, a proverbial gun to your head. I mean, they, they know damn well when you get a visit from the FBI to exactly. Zuckerberg saying, oh, mate, mate, watch out for disinformation. We know that that's the mobster coming saying, you have a nice business here. It would be a shame if something happens to it. It's about time. It's going to take many, many lawsuits because one has to pierce the, 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 the reluctance of the courts. This is one big step closer, assuming all of the details are true. Yeah, that's a great point. And what's interesting about this malice, I think, is that it's not, first off, we kind of knew it, right? Saki admitted it, as, as Viva just said, over a year ago, she said that the administration flags posts for Facebook. So it's not forcing them necessarily, but yes, it is that mafia tactic. Maybe we'll break you up. Maybe we'll show up at the offices, et cetera. But what I thought was interesting about what they uncovered is that it wasn't just COVID related, the Afghanistan withdrawal, racial justice, I mean, we have been manipulated in ways that we truly can't fathom. That, that's what I think. So I, well, here's one way that we're manipulated that I think uh, you, some people on this show might be um, not comfortable acknowledging, which is that the idea that the Republican Party is going to do anything about this. Uh, these, the DHS and Facebook and Twitter are absolutely right in pursuing this course of action and maintaining their own power because there's no consequences whatsoever for them as entities or as individuals for putting forth this uh, charade on the American people. We saw what happened. Started during the Trump administration. This What's has that? to have started during the Trump administration. No, my, point, my point is, if you look at what happened with Kavanaugh, uh, none of the Democratic senators, none of the staffers, uh, Julie, Julie Swetnick, 
Uh, Michael Avenatti had consequences as a result of this. Uh, mm -hmm. Chuck Grassley, who was a major uh, senator, he's, I think, 89, he's up for re-election. He sent off a sternly written letter to the Department of Justice, you know, asking, oh, my goodness, how could this have happened? And nothing came of it. They completely ignored it. He sent a letter a year later. So I think that people who think this red wave that might happen on Tuesday is going to result in some kind of pushback, even though it would be to the Republican Party's advantage to make sure that the fingers not put on the scale against them are, uh, if not delusional, at least strongly mistaken in their thinking. It's just really kind of disturbing. I go, go ahead, Viva. I think malice. we should all jump in on that one, but go well, ahead. Well, because malice might be a little too blackpilled. I, I think this, I'm, the red- My book's called The White Pill. I'm not blackpilled at all. <laughs> well, what I'm saying- No, 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 cynical, no, no, Cynical, stop, cynical, cynical. Uh, if, if you are thinking that salvation is going to come through the Republican Party, that's blue-pilled. That's no, a no, no, no. perspective. So this is my point. It's not a red wave that I anticipate witnessing. It's a populist wave. And I, I agree with you. You know, It's a big club and we ain't in it. And the Republicans had full control a few years ago, did nothing. Trump had full, did nothing on certain issues. This, I think, is more of a populist wave that we're seeing right now because people, the, the people, are fed up with everything. Left and right, they're fed up with seeing the Crenshaws support billions and billions of dollars to the Ukraine while people can't afford gas here. So I, I, I'm hoping, and maybe I'm a little white-pilled, I'm hoping it's a populist wave and not a red wave because I don't trust one arm of the government more than another. Wait, I got to yeah. ask a question. You, are you telling me with a straight face that Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy are interested in populism? I don't think so, but I think They're that they're interested are... in power. We we agree, right, Michael? And, and no, because I think populism is a threat to their power. So they're interested in squashing it as much as possible. No, I think they're interested in riding it and 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 giving it as much tribute as they need to to maintain power. And I think there's a number of candidates who are younger candidates. Joe Kent. I, I'm going to forget a bunch of others. Um, oh, come on, a JD Vance. I think there's a number of candidates who are populist younger that will be the next generation. These, these people are, you know, they're on their last political legs. Uh, so whether or not they are power hungry, everybody in politics is, I think what we're seeing is a younger generation of populist representatives coming up because the people are fed up with everything. By the way, Malice, I have no illusions about what the Republicans actually are. I just think that they're a little bit better than the Democrats. And certainly at a, at a state level, they can do a lot more to maintain people being free. But I agree, we do all these sham, uh, they're not trials, we do these sham ridiculous things where Ted Cruz gets up there, and, and I like Ted Cruz, but then asks Zuckerberg all these questions, they catch them all red-handed, they get them in all the lies, and you're right, nothing, nothing ever changes. So I don't expect anything truly magical to happen, um, but I think it might be a little bit better, and I, I also agree with Ron that it, it would be more about riding the wave rather than, than doing anything sort of proactively. Arguably, there's also a, there, there's a supply and a demand issue. So on the, in the terms of will there be retribution, will there, will there be consequences, presidents pretty much still run the country. So even if you, the Republicans have both houses of Congress, they don't have a veto-proof majority. And besides, federal judges are the last, they decide what the law is in this country. So you could pass all the legislation you want. It's going to be up to the judiciary what the actual law is in this country. But on the other hand, there's the push phenomenon, which is when the Democrats control all of con both houses of Congress, that results in things happening that won't happen if the if the Republicans mm -hmm. uh, control Congress. So, so these are subtle distinctions, but I, I think Michael, and I'm going to call you Michael. I know that the the custom has become to call you Malice for some reason on on this podcast, but but I think you're a good boy, and I'm going to give you I'm going to call you by your first name. Okay, cool story. I think so it's I think it's not as bleak. I, have I no think idea it's not what's as going bleak. on. What is this a Grandpa Simpson moment? What is happening? <laughs> you didn't realize that Dave called you Malice several times. I call him Malice. I call him Malice. Wait, all right, hang on here because my name. But but but, but Ron, let me just ask you a People question. People call me Coleman. If you if you have these congressional hearings and you have people like Zuckerberg or agents of Twitter lying to Congress under oath, is it your belief? that when there is a Republican president, Republican Department of Justice, they're going to have the slightest bit of consequences to what they did. Meanwhile, Steve Bannon's going to jail. What is your honest opinion? Well, the Department of Justice is still under the executive. So like, right, that's like not... when they have a Republican Department of Justice and they're you lying words, under oath if, now. If, 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 we, if we're four years from now, we have a Republican president. Two. I mean, I mean we're two years after now, so we've changed everything over. Okay. It, no, I don't think so. I, I don't, I, but, but I don't think that's necessary. I don't think that's necessary to result in a very meaningful improvement 
because I'm not, I'm actually not an advocate. And I get killed on this all the time on Twitter. Um, I'm not an advocate of being as abusive of power and as cynical and wicked as the Democrats are, because now it's our turn. I know many people think, well, that makes me a wimp and maybe even a rhino. Uh, well, I've got a lunatic calling me a MAGA lawyer on Twitter for the last two months, two weeks. But I don't think that's the way to go. I think the way to go is to, is to actually seek to have good government. But at least let's first get out of get the bad government out. So the so your plan for the future is when the Democrats that's are in power, like, they're they're vindictive and blocking people away. And the Republicans are in power, they sit in their hands, and they have good government. Can you see how that needle is going to turn over the next coming years? In what direction? Well, the trend, listen, the, you're asking me these questions in order to demonstrate the fact that more aggressive, more aggressive action on behalf of Republicans in power has to happen. I'm not going to disagree with you. What we've seen so far has been manifestly insufficient, and that includes during the Trump administration, and it includes, you know, you, you know, something has to be done differently. Do, do Republicans realize now, going back to Viva's point, do Republicans realize what side of the bread is buttered this, you know, this time around? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But again, Michael, all we can do, it's, it's a two-party system, so... This is what we oh, got. And, and I'll say uh, to Malison, uh, you don't become, I mean, you don't defeat the enemy by becoming the enemy and you don't defeat the monster by becoming the monster. So I would not like to see the same type of actual judicial abuse, but I would not mind seeing open hearings, you know, with Fauci, with a number of others who were in charge of the COVID response. I wouldn't mind seeing open hearings on a number of issues where at the very least sunlight itself would reveal something and then it would be up to the people to decide well, how, how much of this shift do we need to write in the direction? It's a big ship. It turns slowly and it has to be righted slowly. But Malice, uh, Malice, I'm curious. Do you think that let's say there is this red wave and I get all of your reservations of why these people won't change anything. And as I said, they might just be marginally better in that or at least stop a little bit of the bloodletting or something like that. But do you not think there's any chance that if there really was this massive red wave and that we hauled out, let's say, a Fauci or somebody in front of real congressional hearings, you think there's literally zero chance that anyone would pay any price. Well, there's not literally zero chance, but I mean, you just heard Ron and Viva say that, you know, on the one hand, you're gonna have vindictive people putting, being put in jail, you're gonna have people's lives ruins, and the response should be hearings where nothing happens as a consequence. This is just on paper, which, which of those two teams would you rather be, the one who's imprisoning their political opponents or the one who's <laughs> having hearings and everyone? The thing what you, I think you guys are missing or you disagree with is you think people like Vijaya or uh, the former CEO of Twitter or, will exp or, or Lois Lerner would experience anything remotely close to shame. So if they're on, on, on TV and Ted Cruz and Rand Paul are wagging their finger at them and telling them terrible, this is a point of pride for them to take back to their team and they know nothing's gonna happen as a result of them. So of course they would do it again. There were no, if you have no concept, if I'm a shoplifter, right, and I'm stealing from this store and once in a while, this is how it's happening with crime in different cities. And I get caught once in a while, I have to return the, whatever I stole, the stereo, but I'm left out on the street. I'm gonna keep trying to steal the stereo because sometimes I'm gonna get away with it. So yeah, as long I, as I think the one, are, on, the one difference. Point. Let me finish my point. As Sorry. long as Republicans are sitting here on this panel publicly saying, well, we don't want to be mean, we don't want to be the monster, the monster is going to beat the villagers. Yeah, I think in a bizarre sense, we're actually agreeing because I, I think that there is a chance that they will have enough juice. There will be a cultural shift after this election that there will have to be somebody that will, will kind of pay for some of this stuff and it won't be fully, fully sham. You, All right, last, last thought on this one. Do you know why that's wrong? Because you, if you don't do it by putting people like Dr. Oz in the Senate, who's campaigning on working with the Democrats. You do it by punishing the Republican Party when they nominate people like that and making sure you put the crazies in. I, I, I have my oh. theories on Dr. Oz, but... <laughs> that, that, all right, wait, I, I want to I do one thing, Viva, related to you, because with all everything we're talking about here, uh, you actually got suspended on Twitter this week post-Elon taking over you were suspended because you were talking about this this crazy Paul Pelosi attack in San Francisco that the police weren't watching the, the cameras, there's no video footage of. The whole thing is so freaking bizarre, but Hillary and Ilhan Omar know that it was a, a crazed right MAGA right-wing right -wing right -wing maniac. Can what what happened here? 
Well, uh, what happened here? Can you believe that the media has just stopped talking about it two days yeah, it's later? Over. It's 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 nuts. And oh yeah, no, no, right? We we got it all under wraps. Except now the guy's pleading not guilty. They don't have the body cam footage. Apparently, there was a live feed of, of a video either outside Pelosi's house or and or inside. They weren't surveilling it at the time. Okay, good. Incompetent cops. But that doesn't mean that they don't have the video footage still. And I'm sure they do because everybody has security that keeps the video for at least 30 days. No, I got locked out for an innocuous tweet uh, talking to uh, Matt Gertz from Media Matters saying, dude, you had a 16 thread tweet with yourself talking about how this was clearly right wing. Now everyone's going to be duped by Elon Musk misinformation. And you've come to some pretty radical conclusions in the absence of even having seen the video footage, which nobody's seen yet. At the time, we didn't know where the clothes were because we were still under the impression he was in his underwear. That's been pulled back. And you call other people conspiracy theorists. And then within 30 seconds of that tweet, I was locked out for 26 hours. Back in, tweet still up, never deleted the tweet. Uh, no explanation from Twitter as of yet. Elon, I expect an explanation. <laughs> well, I assume Media Elon's watching this and we all want to push Elon to, to make it a better product. Ron, well, what did you say about Media Matters? I'm positive Media Matters at that time still had somebody literally working for, in other words, someone on the payroll of Media Matters or as good as on the payroll for Media Matters was at the switch in Twitter headquarters. I, I mean, they work hand in glove together. That was a direct response to your hitting up Gertz. Can I, can I ask, a, can I make a point? Kevin McCarthy, if he, should he become Speaker of the House as is widely expected after Tuesday's election, is in a position to have hearings and say, look, we're gonna take the Democrats' concerns of threats on politicians' lives seriously. This is no joke, this affects all of us. Look at Steve Scalise, look at Paul Pelosi. We are going to have a full investigation into the circumstances that led to the Speaker of the House, Paul Pelosi's, uh, Speaker House's husband, Paul Pelosi, being attacked. We're gonna look at all the footage, we're gonna look at all the circumstances. He can blow up this story and make it a public spectacle and make it really twist the knife on the Democrats and there's, in my view, almost no possibility that he's going to do this. This is a great example of the asymmetry of how the Democrats work and how the Republicans work. Malice, I love that you're laying down the gauntlet with him, and I'm fairly certain I'm interviewing him a day or two after the election in D.C., so I will ask him that myself. How about that? And then I and, will... And watch him tap dance. All right, let's see. That, that is the great challenge, right? If they get the win, what are you going to do with it? That's what we're all wondering, basically. I want to throw to one more thing on this before we move on which is that uh, our incredible press secretary, this White House press secretary, my God, is this the best. amazing. Better you don't find. <laughs> she, has anyone been more qualified or better at their job in the history of the world well, than Corinne Jean-Pierre? female lesbian women of color, her <laughs> secretary's unprecedented. Here she is talking about this whole tech censorship collusion thing. Yeah, I, so um, look, I, I'll say this. Um, the, you know, the administration, um, the Biden administration remains fully uh, committed to our mission to protect the, sec the security and resilience of our um, of, of our you know elections and safeguard election infrastructure. That includes combat combating disinformation. That is something that uh, we are committed to. Malice, I feel like she's like a sort of living, walking, breathing version of why you're an anarchist. That it's like anyone that gets in any of these positions of power, they just become useless parts of the machine. I, I don't want to say I feel bad for her, but it's hard for me to think what I would do differently if I was her. If the if there's the receipts right, the if that's your gig. DHS, and you know that you have to get up there and spew lies, the Washington press corps, they're not all dumb. I mean, the, these people are smart. They sometimes ask her tough questions. I sometimes ask myself, okay, if I was in her position, uh, what would I do differently? And she's really up against it because thanks to social media, as opposed to, you know, before social media, mm -hmm. you, you, you could spew whatever lie you want. You, you, you got to just convince that one or two journalists that what you're saying or have to repeat your lie and it's fine. But now, thanks to social media, you, there's receipts 24 seven. If I spew one lie today in five minutes, it's going to someone's going to have the counter or the, the, the tweet of mine from 10 years ago where I said the contrary. I don't know what I would do differently in her position. She's really uh, maybe I would have resigned, you know, like Saki had the sense to do.
Yeah, uh, Viva, do you feel any sympathy for her? I mean, we, everyone knows she's going up there and lying about everything. That's sort of what the gig is in the first place as a White House press secretary. But she has like an extraordinary level of it because of the endless amount of lies and the fact that some of this stuff's getting exposed in real time now, which as Malice points out, that wouldn't have happened, say 15 years ago. Do I feel bad for her? I feel bad for everybody, even people who don't know that they should feel bad for themselves. What, what really nauseates me about Jean-Pierre's particular situation is she is being exploited. Racially, gender-wise, yeah. sexual, or she's being exploited. It's the ultimate act of racism, actually, to take someone and use them as a political tool so that any critique of them on the substance can be spun off as being racist, uh, homophobic, uh, you know, gender, whatever. It, she is being abused through her race, gender identity, uh, sexual orientation. She's being used as a political pawn by Joe Biden, a man with a history of this. That's what pisses me off about this entire story. She's a liar. Yeah, she, I mean, she's a liar. She's reading talking points on pages. She's flipping through to see what are my talking points when asked on this so I can avoid the question and just do my bidding, uh, Joe Biden's bidding. But that she gets up there and on day one, I'm the first black openly lesbian person to take this position. Uh, call me whatever. That's irrelevant to me. Do yep. your job properly, which I guess she is for Biden, but she was appointed on that. It's exploitation of the highest order and it should offend, it should offend Democrats. There I said it. Ron, I think you're the elder statesman in this uh, crew here uh, <laughs> by, by uh, gray beard alone. About, you want me to talk about Nixon's press secretary? Is that, is that, is that? <laughs> yeah, well, just has there ever been an administration that you can think of, and we can even go back to before any of us were born, that just the entire thing was a series of lies, that I, I am truly at the point with these people, and we're gonna get to some Biden clips in a moment. Nobody related to this administration can say anything honest at any level at any time. You're right, Dave, and, and, and th 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 it's an amazing thing to watch it. And, 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 you know, the press secretaries are perfect because she's supposed to be the one who is the best, the most convincing, who's the professional spin mm -hmm. doctor so that everyone else might sound a little awkward, but then she can come out with the master massage and make it all better. She can't because it's that bad. And what we've seen happen in this, in this two-year period is that the Democrats have said, we're going to be that bad. And you're, and we're gonna, and we're not even gonna really pretend otherwise. And you're not gonna be able to do a damn thing about it. So we're gonna put a zombie in the White House. We're gonna run for the Pennsylvania Senate, a stroke victim, who doesn't even put on a suit and tie once, or maybe once he did, for the entire. I mean, uh, it's people who are mad. You see, what the trend had been was to not was to give up on having any statesmen whatsoever. So mm -hmm. you had these re incredible mediocrities in, in the Senate, you know, what used, used to be considered to be, you know, the upper, the upper chamber, the, you know, the most exclusive club in the world. And, and now it's just, it's, it's essentially a bunch of non-entities. But now we're gonna go beyond non-entities to top to bottom, absolute, abs people who are not, you would not hire to work at, in, your, in, your, in, your, in your office or your ice cream store. Well, speaking of non-entities, Let's move to the final segment because Joe Biden, knowing that things are not looking good, he gave a speech a couple days ago to just try to scare the high hell out of everybody. Who should we fear most? Well, of course, it's those extremist MAGA Republicans. Yet now, extreme MAGA Republicans aim to question not only the legitimacy of past elections, but elections being held now and into the future. The extreme MAGA element of the Republican Party, which is a minority of that party, as I said earlier, but is this driving force, is trying to succeed where they failed in 2020, to suppress the right of voters and subvert the electoral system itself. Malice, uh, you know, we've got early voting all over the country. I haven't seen any video of anyone being suppressed, black people not having IDs and being turned around. Uh, I did see a couple videos this week of Hillary once again uh, claiming that Republicans were going to steal the election, although she called Trump an illegitimate president and Stacey Abrams, uh, while they're having record early voting turnout in Georgia, claiming that voters are being suppressed there. I'm starting to think these people are disingenuous. But it's, it's kind of funny because in terms of campaign issues, vote for democracy seems to be a slogan that is not really going to rally turnout. 
And turnout is, of course, as everyone knows, what drives elections. It's not really the will of the voters. But frankly, if, if, if the argument is, as Biden said earlier, that voting for a Republican is voting against democracy, that's the best argument for Republicanism <laughs> I've heard. Uh, democracy is an obscenity, and the idea that my neighbor should have a say over my life is just absolutely insane. Uh, and I think we're going to be seeing that. I don't think they're, they're crying wolf. I think we're going to be seeing in the next 10, 15 years uh, Republican-led states that are going to be tightening restrictions on ballot access. And I think that's a good thing because there's far too many people who have a say uh, about things that they have no idea about and shouldn't be running their mouths about. And I say this ironically and not ironically. And <laughs> Well, okay, so here's another clip from that very same thing. It's a perfect segue, thank you, uh, Malice. Um, Biden's already warning us that there might be election shenanigans just in two days from now. We know that more and more ballots are cast in early voting or by mail in America. We know that many states don't start counting those ballots until after the polls close on November 8th. That means in some cases, we won't know the winner of the election for a few days until after a few days after the election. It takes time to count all legitimate ballots in a legal and orderly manner. Ron, it seems pretty freaking obvious. Am I, am I cynical or what? I mean, is he basically just saying, hey, you know, a pipe is going to burst somewhere in Philadelphia on election night, and, uh, you know, what can we do a about pipe? it? Okay, so let me tell you one thing about Philadelphia. You don't need a pipe to burst to cheat in Philadelphia. Cheating in Philadelphia is open and notorious. It's been going on for decades. Republicans have done nothing about it whatsoever. Pipe bursts are in other places, but uh, you know, my understanding is that um, you know I can't, I can't reveal too much, but I can tell you the GOP has sent out crack teams of plumbers to <laughs> key precincts where there will be uh, repairs available 24/7. So not this time, not this time, Satan. I mean, Viva, this this concept though that you know they're prepping people to just not expect election results on election night. It's gotten worse and worse over the last couple of years, but now they're just outright telling you, hey, we just got to figure out enough time to get the results we want. I, I, I'm young, I'm only 42. When in the history of, of modern politics have we gotten used to the idea that you do not know the results as a rule on election day itself? It's occasionally happened when there was litigation, I remember back in 2000, but now it's become the rule that you have your elections and then it takes you a few days, sometimes a week, to count the ballots. This is, this is a devolution of technology, not an evolution. I don't know if that's the right word. But we're, we're regressing. This is not progress. But the idea, look, I come from Canada. The idea that, we have to, that you make it so easy that people can vote from their living room in their pajamas. In Canada, vote, you have to have a piece of ID, two documents to show that you still live at that address, the idea that they've made it so easy that you could just take bags full to drop off boxes and then we'll count them later and the dates don't really matter if they came in you know, the day after. It's preposterous, it's abusive. And the only reason some people tolerate it is because they are still running around saying Trump is a jag off in their, in their political ads because that's the platform. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Malice, do you kind of like it when you hear Biden say something like that because it, it makes the whole thing feel less legitimate? I, I like it because there's a huge wing of conservatism whose only ideology is just doing the opposite of whatever the Democrats want. Uh, and since I'm someone who is very much interested in abolishing democracy and, and regarding it as antithetical to liberty, uh, if he starts putting it out there that, like, if you vote against me, you're against democracy, that's going to make a lot of people like, well, wait a minute, let me take a look at this against democracy thing. <laughs> Um, and I think what the, the other fellows mentioned are two great mechanisms that uh, governors can do to tighten up the election, meaning eliminating early voting, eliminating mail-in ballots, except perhaps maybe for veterans or, or excuse me, people who are serving uh, and can't be residents of their state. But these are actionable things that would advantage the Republicans, just in the same way Democrats are interested in uh, furthering immigration because they know that those immigrants would tend to vote Democrats. But there's very little appetite on the Republican side to change the rules 
that would end up benefiting them because their only role effectively is to just serve as mouthpieces to some vague opposition, but to do absolutely nothing once they're in power. Well, with just three days before this big election, uh, MSNBC, which as I always tell people, if you watch it knowing that it's a televised mental institution, it's much more entertaining. Uh, they're trying to freak people out to the highest level. I mean, this one was truly, this is truly, truly bananas. Here's a presidential historian on uh, what's about to happen. This speech seemed in some senses more specific about the developments that we're seeing everywhere from the Arizona poll stalkers to the secretaries of state who, who refuse to uh, say that they'll accept the elections. What do you view as the key takeaway of the speech tonight? We could be six days away from losing our rule of law and losing a situation where we have elections that we all can rely on. A historian will say what was at stake tonight and this week was the fact whether we will be a democracy in the future, whether our children will be arrested and conceivably killed. We're on the edge of a brutal authoritarian system and it could be a week away. Viva, we're not only losing democracy, uh, but they're also gonna kill the children. <laughs> I mean, but, but, what well, is going on here? I, I should have been wearing the shirt that says confession through projection because the only pe the only party that's been jailing people, I'll, I'll save, I'll, I'll save the, I'll, I'll not get into the killing of people, but jailing people, d d bastardizing democracy has been the, the, the party in power for the last two years, jailing Bannon, jailing all of their political adversaries, uh, acquitting all of their you know, political allies, this man is describing what the party that is trying to preserve its control is and has been doing. It's confession through projection through and through, but my goodness, that's hyperbolic even for that individual who I've never heard of before. Malice, I take it that you'd be okay with some kidnapping and killing of children in the name of liberty? Well, only the fat and ugly ones, but <laughs> I, I do want to point out that like- Some of wow. us do grow up and have normal, happy lives, please. <laughs> But Viva, I just want to make your point. You just made my argument for me. The Democrats are imprisoning their political opponents and, and you get to sit here and kind of roll your eyes and laugh about it. Which of those two sides is winning? The people laughing or the people doing the imprisoning? Which side would you want to be on? I, I, I'll, Malice, you might call me the person who would rather die than kill, but I would rather not be the people doing the evil. So I, in as much as I, I think repercussions for those who do, I, I would not want to be that monster. I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel better living with myself like that than living as a victim of, of, of that type of violence. Okay, and, and that is exactly why America is in the state it's in today, because of people like you on the right. I'm Canadian, dude. I have to... <laughs> That's what I meant. He, well, he also <laughs> wisely <laughs> moved to Florida where we have some defenses against, against some of this stuff. And by the way, Florida, Malice, is doing some of the things that you were asking some of the states to do related to voting. We are encouraging uh, in-person voting. You have to have an ID. They're discouraging mail-in ballots, although they're doing a little bit because of the hurricane. So there are, it's a little easier, I think, maybe for Viva to say it here in the safety of Florida because it's true rather than in Canada. But let's do one last thing here. Real Clear Politics has put out, I think what will be their last election prediction. Uh, we've got the, the map. This is the Senate race and they're predicting 54 Republicans, 46 for the Democrats. That's pretty bullish. So that has Arizona going to Blake Masters. I think you've got Pennsylvania there going to Oz. Uh, what else do we have there? Yeah, you can, I mean, you can see Rubio obviously will stay in Florida. Old ditch New Hampshire. Ron, you, you're, you're feeling good about this thing? Feeling pretty good. I mean, it, it is true. I, I'm often reminding people who, who, who fret about cheating that cheating, the kind of cheating that we saw in 2020 isn't really an issue in congressional uh, races, but statewide races, it can be. You can, you can run off as many Philadelphia County ballots as necessary to overcome a Senate vote. And yet what we see is that Democrats are panicking. The Democrats are throwing money. In other words, it's obviously not as easy to cheat as m many people seem to think because Democrats are livid and terrified mm -hmm. and, and, and they're doing all this advance vetting, uh, I, I mean, uh, softening the ground for, for disaster. So is there gonna, there's gonna be cheating, but yeah, I'm pretty bullish. I'm, you know, I, I like how things are going. Viva, bullish. Uh, I, I think what Ron, what Ron means is, Fortification, not cheating, but uh, 
if, if, if yes, if I'm I have trying a, not to get booted off YouTube today. Thank you. <laughs> no, because well, it's it's the it's the legal it's the legal cheating. Control, change the rules, change the system, control the flow of information. A well-funded group of cabal, you know, whatever. Um, if if my senses are right, I see a, a, a massive bullish type run. Uh, the cynic in me uh, gets worried that uh, the results don't reflect the sentiment. Like Malice, I'm gonna Malice, I'm gonna force you to finish up here with the final word, if you believe that something is coming that's bullish and red and the wave is on its way, do you see any way that it, it turns into something positive, say short term into long term? Yeah, the, the two races I'm most concerned with and the two candidates I've endorsed are Herschel Walker, uh, who in his autobiography talked about hearing voices telling him to kill someone uh, who <laughs> delivered his car six days late and he played <laughs> Russian roulette so many times he lost track account, lost uh, count. And also He's better John than Fetterman. Warnock. And John Fetterman in uh, Pennsylvania, who absolutely has to be in the Senate, because I'm looking forward to the moment where, like, the movie Scanners, his head just explodes and covers the Senate floor with pieces of his skull and brain. So please run out and vote for John Fetterman in Pennsylvania and Herschel Walker in Georgia. Malice, you know, I know you often like to dress up when you do the show. I'm demanding you come as Heath Ledger's Joker next time. I'm more of a Cesar Romero Joker, but yes, yeah, uh, point taken. You Fair enough, you're definitely more Cesar Romero. Uh, all right, guys, well, have a great weekend. I'm gonna finish up for a few minutes solo, uh, but good seeing you guys as always, and we will, we will do this again. Uh, all right, guys, a couple, uh, couple comments on locals, and then I wanna uh, discuss one other thing before we get to this big election on Tuesday. Uh, Amy says, I certainly hope that there will be enough new blood in Congress that will stand up for the people and against the machine. Right, that's, that's really the issue that Malice is talking about. It's like, okay, if we get these Republicans in, is there any evidence to think they will do anything other than just protect their, their new level of power? I don't know. I think that's why the state level matters way more than the national level. It just is the case. Do I expect the Senate, even if it's 54 Republicans, to do anything amazing and really uh, drag Fauci out there and bring out the big tech people and then do anything about it? I'm not so sure, but what, we can control is our local lives. And I think Florida is the best example of that. Uh, Peter says, I hope the American experiment will continue to survive if censorship takes hold in the US. I see no hope. Well, that's why this censorship thing has been so important. That's why it was so vital to expose uh, what the CIA and the FBI were doing with big tech. And ironically, I mean, this was, we should have uh, grabbed that headline. Uh, I checked the day that the story broke to see if this, this story was on uh, CNN's front page. It was not. However, they did have a front page article about how the Oath Keepers, uh, which is, I suppose, some sort of MAGA-linked group, that on January 6th, that a whole bunch of them had lunch at Olive Garden and racked up a $400 bill. That was on the front page of CNN. And as Connor pointed out, the breadsticks are free. So a $400 bill there, it's a lot of pasta. So that's the level of disconnect between reality and what the mainstream media has given us. Uh, Elizabeth says, the government needs to get more comfortable with freedom. Man, that's the way it was set up. And uh, wouldn't that be sweet? Well, we're doing it right here in Florida. We really are. Um, I'm very hopeful, guys. I don't think all of our problems will be solved by politics if we get the red wave. As, as Malice lays out, like the machine just kind of is the machine and, and things maybe a little bit can get marginally better here and there. Um, but I think we can make a major dent in this cultural war that we've been losing for a long time. Uh, so make sure if you can early vote that you get out and do it or get there on Tuesday. I'm taking my whole team out Tuesday morning. We'll, we'll try to do some videos uh, from the polling place. Uh, I'm excited. I think there, there really, really is a chance. Oh, and speaking of a chance, by the uh, I just yesterday, I interviewed Tudor Dixon, who is running against Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan, nobody thought she could win. The polls are basically neck and neck right now. We're gonna put that up tomorrow. We did it on the fly. She's on a, on a bus tour right now, uh, trying to get those last couple rallies out. Uh, so you can catch that tomorrow. Like and subscribe if you have not. If you wanna play along live during the show, rubenreport.locals.com. Uh, oh, and my interview with Tina Forte, who is the woman running against AOC. Yes, AOC. Is, could be out too. Anything is possible. I'm telling you, anything is possible. Uh, oddly, Tina is not getting any mainstream coverage. Our interview is up across platforms right now. On that note, 
that's it for me for today. Uh, but the DeSantis team put out this video this morning, and we thought it was a nice way to go out for the weekend. Have a good one, everybody. And on the eighth day, God looked down on his planned paradise and said, I need a protector. So God made a fighter. God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, kiss his family goodbye, travel thousands of miles for no other reason than to serve the people, to save their jobs, their livelihoods, their liberty, their happiness. So God made a fighter. God said, I need someone to be strong, advocate truth in the midst of hysteria, someone who challenges conventional wisdom and isn't afraid to defend what he knows to be right and just. So God made a fighter. God said, I need somebody who will take the arrows, stand firm in the wake of unrelenting attacks, look a mother in the eyes and tell her that her child will be in school. She can keep her job, go to church, eat dinner with friends, and hold the hand of an aging parent taking their breath for the last time. So God made a fighter. God said, I need a family man, a man who would laugh and then sigh and then reply with smiling eyes when his daughter says she wants to spend her life doing what dad does. So God made a fighter. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you want to connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubenreport.locals.com.